Hey, how you doing? This is Pastor Jake from the Kingston Alliance Church. Welcome to our Revelation study. We're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We're going to uh, get to the first church uh, of Ephesus this time around. So let me pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, please bless this time together as we study your word, Lord. I pray a special blessing to those that are watching this, Lord God, that this might be edifying to them, Father, and help them grow in their walk with you, Jesus. I pray that everything said here is glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to, like I said, Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. If you um, would, I strongly encourage you to pause the video and read through that. I'm not going to read through it. We're just going to go verse by verse. Uh, so now we're entering into the churches. And rest assured, here, here's the main point of, of all of this, is that church matters greatly to Jesus Christ. This is a postmodern era. This is a post-Christian era here in the United States and the West where, you know, just church doesn't seem to be as important as it once did to communities. Um, but it, it's not declined in the grand scheme of things, in the mission of God. And the church is challenged to reach into these communities and to bring people in to the church, to present them, to the, preach them the gospel, that they might uh, worship Jesus Christ and, and follow Jesus Christ and be a part of his church. And um, there's a balancing act in that. There's a danger in that because the society has its own kind of way and, and norms and the way it does things and church has its way. And so a church has a tendency to try to um, become or seem relevant to the community, not by serving and loving the community, which it's called to do, but then by trying to mirror the, the community, trying to mirror the culture. And what ends up happening with too much of that is it, the church loses its saltiness. Remember, we are called to be salt and light. And in order for uh, a light to be effective, it must be contrast and darkness. If a light goes dim, it's not going to be any use in a dark room. Same thing with salt. If salt is to preserve meat or preserve a society, uh, then it must be different than meat. It must be different than it's society. If it is to flavor the meat or flavor the society, again, the same rule applies. It must be distinctly different. And so we must, as a church, remain the church, which is going to be in contrast to the community that we're loving and serving. Um, and this, again, is a difficult thing. And so many churches, um, uh, the temptation for every church is exists to become too much like the community. And we have seen, unfortunately, many churches do just that. Um, and so this is what we're going to witness as we walk through these seven churches. We're going to see a lot of the same struggles and difficulties and failings uh, here in the first century church as we have today. Uh, and so this should be very sobering for us, very encouraging for us, but um, uh, very a, a huge, strong and very real, applicable right now warning to us. And so let's let's dive in. Let me first here, I'm going to share the screen. I noticed that this wasn't the best quality doing this on Zoom. Uh, I was playing around with other ways to do it, and I just couldn't figure out another way of doing it. So we're going to have to just do it this way for now. I'll, I'll try to find something else with a better, better quality. 
So I'm up here out of the way. I'm not what matters. The scripture is Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, study. Uh, please, again, if you haven't read through this, uh, these seven verses, please do so now. Chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel of the church in emphasis write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. We've talked extensively about the seven stars and being in his right hand, uh, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Uh, so the words of him, this is kind of like a, a thus saith the Lord kind of a, a feel to it, right? This is a prophecy being spoken uh, by the Lord himself, the Lord, which is the one holding the seven stars in his right hand. He is in control. Let's just, let's summarize this by saying he is in complete and absolute control. He's the king. He's the boss. He's the head. Okay? Nobody else is. Just him and him alone. Who walks among the seven. So where's Jesus? Man, he's walking among these seven golden lampstands. Golden Lamb stands for a recap is the churches, the seven churches, specifically here, these letters being written to these seven churches. But again, there's just a little bit of a symbolization going on here. Seven represents whole or full. Um, and so this is this is very much to the church. Excuse me, the, the church universal. And he man, he's walking amongst them. So this is this is a warning. Um, as well as it's encouraging. It's both. It's encouraging, but it's also sobering, right? That, that Christ is here. It reminds me when I was in kindergarten, our kindergarten class had, it was a you know classroom, but in the front, it had these, these um, mirrors in the front. And I never thought anything of, of the mirrors. I really, I don't know if they're, they're there for decoration or whatever, but one day somebody told me, oh, listen, your mom is here. And I looked around, I said, where's my mom? And he said, oh, they're behind the mirror. Uh, that's a two-way mirror. You can actually see through that mirror on the other side. And so at first I was like, oh, wow, my mom's here. She can see me. And then I was like, oh, wow, my mom's here. She can see me, <laughs> right? And so you start thinking back, like, how was I behaving this past hour or two? Um, it's the same kind of thing. God is involved. Jesus Christ is in your board meetings. He's in your Sunday services. He's in our um, our outreach. He's in he's in our small groups. He is walking among us in 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 his church. And this again is encouraging, but it also means that we need to handle our affairs well. At verse two, I know your works. This is him talking again to the the church of Ephesus. Ephesus, I didn't mention. Uh, it was a very important church, very strategically important church to the Gentiles. Paul establishes church. Actually, John was working as the leader or the pastor of this church when he was exiled to Patmos. Um, it could be this is why it's first, but this is also geographically the first church. I don't have a map. I should have had a map. Um, but if, if this these letters are coming from Patmos, it would be from Patmos, then Ephesus would be first and then um, down the line with the rest of the seven in order. So to that church of Ephesus, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. So he is praising, this is high praise here from the Lord Jesus Christ to this Church of Ephesians, who, by the way, was warned by Paul 
uh, Paul said to him to them in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. And so this is what's been taking place. There's these men who call themselves apostles, but they are not. How'd they find out they are not? Uh, by uh, They worked by your toil, by working toil and patiently enduring. And, and cannot bear those, but have tested. So there's work and toil and patient and testing. Testing. Uh, this is so important. Listen, they are, these kinds of people are all over the place. They are all over the place today. Um, they're everywhere. And this is, they're, and they're sheep. They're wolves, I should say. I'm sorry. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. What does that mean? They look like sheep. They look like brothers and sisters. They look like Christians. Okay, this isn't easy. It would, if it was easy for them to spot, if they were just wolves, that wouldn't wouldn't cost work and toil and patient endurance and testing. Um, the, but because they are, there, there is there is work to be done and toil and patient endurance and testing to do. Uh, we cannot take people at their just because they say that they're a pastor, just because they stand in a pulpit, just because they lift up the Bible and read a scripture out of the Bible before they before they proclaim whatever it is they're proclaiming does not mean that they're preaching truth, that they're, pre they're preaching the true gospel. The, the Barna tells me that biblical illiteracy has grown over the years. And, and, um, and the, one of the results of that is that so many people seem to fall for these false teachers today. I cannot believe the popularity of a guy like Stephen Furtick. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I don't, I want to be careful here because um, Stephen Furtick is evil. We, we should not bear with him, okay? Uh, what we should do with a Stephen Furtick is to love him and call him to repentance. And Jesus Christ will receive him as he has you and I. And we should pray for Stephen Furtick that that would happen and everything else. But it's incredible. I know that there's probably going to be somebody watching this video who loves Stephen Furtick who thinks I'm a jerk for saying that Stephen Furtick is evil and that we shouldn't bear with him. Um, listen, guys, though, if you understand scripture, if you know scripture and you listen to his sermons, you know, it takes work and toil, work in your Bible, work to build your theology, work to build and understand uh, true doctrinal scripture, um, and patiently endure in that work and toil to learn those things. Because if you do that, and then you hear a guy like Furtick, it is a test. You go, what is Furtick saying? Is then you test that with truth, scripture, doctrine, and it fails. And, and we find them to be false. <laughs> this is how this works. Um, and this is important. If you don't believe me, then just look at Jesus's words here. Even his in verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Uh, this is important work to do. Um, heretics 
in false teachers are there, they're placed there by Satan, even maybe even unbeknownst to them. Uh, they typically grow their ministry by leaps and bounds and become very wealthy and well-known and self-pointing. And that, and that isn't to say, don't hear me say that all mega churches or and if your pastor has a book deal, he's evil. There's wonderful, wonderful teachers um, <clears throat> that have huge congregations who have book deals and are very famous that are that are solid and sound. The, the, that isn't the mark. The mark is, is what they're preaching and teaching biblically sound. And Ephesus was very good at sniffing these people out and not bearing with them. Um, and so if Christ is applauding this, this is something that we need to work on in our own lives, uh, understanding that there are false teachers who claim to be Christians, who claim, claim to be the church, that are not, that are not. Remember, we are now in a, in a time and a place where First Timothy chapter 4 is so true. For the time is coming, listen, the time is here, when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Let's, let's establish something here real quick before we go any further. First tier, second tier, third tier. Another way to put that is absolute conviction and preference. Same thing, two different ways to put it. First tier things, absolute things, these are the things that you must hold on to as truth or you're not a Christian. You can claim to be a Christian all you want. I can claim to be a Christian all I want. But if I do not hold to the truth that Jesus Christ died and resurrected from the dead on the third day and is alive forevermore, I'm not a Christian. It's that simple. That's what we mean by first tier absolute things. These things that we absolutely must hold as truth. And then there's those second tier things or convictions. These things are good and rich and wholesome. And, 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 and we have convictions about them. And we can have loving and should have loving discussions and debates over them that'll sharpen us. You know, things like uh, certain theology bets, uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. Uh, to have a Calvinist and an Arminian have a cup of coffee together, knowing that they're brothers in Christ um, and loving one another and respecting one another and, and opening up their Bibles and bolstering their position, their theological position on our, either Arminian or Calvinism is a wonderful thing. To say that if I'm a Calvinist and, and if I say that Arminians are not Christian, I have failed. I have taken a conviction or a second tier thing and put it into a first tier thing. The third tier would be preference. This is just simply preference. The older I get, it's, it seems, the less I care about preference. I'm usually not going to speak up on things of preference. And when I was younger and earlier in my Christian walk, I spoke up on these things a little bit more because I had more to say uh, about preference than I did the second or first tier things. Um, uh, but as again, as as you typically as you grow and mature, it's just it, it's okay to to speak your mind on preference things, but you know you just want to be uh, wise about it because they're they're third tier, they're preference things. They're things like you know how many songs should we sing uh, <clears throat> on Sunday morning? You know, as long as the 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 lyrics are theologically sound, 
whether it comes out of a hymnal or some guy wrote it last week, you know, we can debate that. Those are preference third tier type stuff. They should never be held as first tier things. Okay. So this is this isn't this isn't like they weren't they weren't disagreeing on certain theological fence. No, they're finding people, and that's what I mean by furtic. Like it's not that I don't like furtic. It's not a it, has nothing to do with whether or not I like him. When he preaches the word of God, he preaches falsehoods when it comes to those first tier things. And that is why I've tested that to the scripture and found him to be false. And my response to that should not be get on Facebook or YouTube or the other platform and beat this guy to the ground. Um, that is a wrong reaction to that. It, it should be to certainly warn people that his teaching is false and encourage everybody and, and do this myself is to bend in prayer, to pray for this man, that he would see the errors of his ways that he would see the snare uh, that he is trapped in with the devil and how the devil has used him for great wickedness and evil. And, um, and that he would repent. Okay. So now I, again, if you hear a Stephen Furtick sermon and it's sound Great. Listen to another one. It, it won't take long before you get to one that that isn't. That isn't to say that every time he steps in the pulpit, it's all heresy. Again, it is a um, a work and a toil and a patient endurance and a testing. Uh, so it wouldn't be that every single time he opens his mouth, it's heresy or wrong. Um, it's 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 cl more clever than that. So this is this is the praise of Christ. Now. While they have this, he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned your the love that you had at first. So you do well in this, but you've abandoned this love that you had at first. Now, this could mean three things. The first thing that people, I think, originally think of right off the top of the bat, uh, their, their head is um, right, out of, right out of the gate, is the love of Christ. And this is certainly, uh, this is certainly true. I mean, you remember when you were first a Christian and you just, I mean, it was all about Jesus Christ. It was all about Jesus Christ. You just couldn't wait to go to church and because of Jesus Christ, and you couldn't wait to read the Bible because of Jesus Christ, you couldn't wait to pray because of Jesus Christ. I mean, it was all about this, this, this love affair with Jesus Christ. And then, you know, for me, as I started to get a little bit older and walk a little longer, all of a sudden other things kind of added into that now all of a sudden you know it's more about having theological debates like for the ephesians it's probably more about doctrine right we we have uh there's this there's this um tendency to love doctrine more than god um this is the pharisees and the scribes difficulty right this is where they fell fell and we must be careful not to that. Or maybe it's like, I want to go to church and just be the most spiritual person in the room. I'm the spiritual guy, you know, uh, and, and it becomes more about that. Or maybe just church becomes more about, like, I love the people there and it's my social hour and I've had a long week. I can't wait to go gab with the girls or hang out with the guys. Um, it's no longer about Jesus Christ. And so if, if you find that this is you in, in, in anything that I've mentioned or anything that the Holy Spirit's convicting of you now that you had this, this once had this love at first for Jesus Christ that isn't there, it isn't present in your life, then he has that against you. 
Jesus has that against you. The second thing that this could be is the love for one another, for each other. You know, Jesus could have said, this is how they're going to know the church, by its sound doctrine. But he doesn't say that. He says something, there's something even more important than that. And it is the way that we love one another. Jesus Christ cares about our hearts. He cares about sound doctrine. We just saw that. But he cares about our heart, too. You know, um, Peter tells Timothy to watch your doctrine and to watch your life. We must watch both. There's two Mars Hills, two different Mars Hills, two different pastors. One Mars Hill, he watched his life. He was a loving, kind, gentle man who, who people adored and, and everything else. But he, his, his doctrine just went off the rails, went completely off the rails. And then in the other Mars Hills church, is completely different church, just happened to be the same name with, with a different pastor. This man, his doctrine was sound. His sermons were, were sound, um, but he didn't watch his life. And he had a moral failing in that he was a bully to his staff and the people in the church. And so we must watch both. We must watch both of these things. Um, so doctrine is good, but, but we, we need to, uh, to love one another. We need to bear each other's, bear each other's burdens. Um, yeah, and so the third thing would be uh, a witnessing to the world. Um, remember that these are the golden lampstands. These are lampstands. They are called to be light into the world. And if you recall, when you were a new Christian, I know this is true. This is every new Christian. It's certainly with me. You couldn't shut me up about Jesus Christ. I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. When I first met and knew and saw the beauty and wonder and awe of Christ and the effect that that had in my life, my goodness, you couldn't stop me. You couldn't shut me up for sharing the gospel with everything that moved. Um, and it was without discernment. I'm not saying that we need to go back to that kind of complete recklessness with no discernment or wisdom. Um, but you can you can see that there was this love and this passion for sharing Christ to the lost that that sometimes we we lose. We lose as we as we mature. We lose as we study doctrine. We would rather debate other Christians on doctrine. We would rather debate over coffee with other Christians over their second tier issues or those conviction issues. Um, and we've lost our love for proclaiming the gospel. So if you have found yourself in any one of these things, this is what Jesus Christ has against you. If, I, if I'm in any one of these categories, Christ has this against me. Now he's going to buy us back. He's going to give us a way of redemption right here in verse five. It's three things and then a warning. Okay. And they're all being with, a, with an R. Okay. Remember therefore where you have fallen. I'm getting out of the way here. Remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Uh, so remember, repent, and return. Remember, repent, and return. Or if not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. Repent. Okay, we have the word repent two times in one passage. We can rest assured the Lord Jesus Christ is pleading with us here to take it serious if we have found ourselves in any of these things that he has against the church of Ephesus 
that he might be holding against me, that he might be holding against you, to take it seriously, to remember from where we have fallen, to repent, to return, or he will remove. So he's saying, please don't let it come to that. Remember is to bring it to the forefront of our mind, to make it highest priority on our list, to, to, to uh, bring it back into remembrance and, and everything that we do, and, and to remember what from where we have fallen. This is a sorrow thing, to be broken over what we have fallen from, which is our first love, which, which is either the love of Christ or the love of one another or the love of evangelizing. Uh, to remember how what we've fallen from. Oh no, whatever it is that brought me here should break me, and I should repent of it. Oh Lord, I I used just I used to uh, have such a heart for the lost, and I don't have that anymore because I'm so interested in just becoming the most spiritual person on the planet, or I'm so interested in doctrine, or I'm so interested in the who's who in our church, or whatever the case might be. I repent of that. I'm turning from that. I agree. I have fallen. And I am returning from it, and I'm turning towards you in your way. <coughs> I repent that I don't love others in the church. I'm always critical of them and their second-tier issues and, and, and disagreements with me. I'm so critical of everybody's second-tier things and convictions. Forgive me, God. I've forgotten that I am to call to love these people like I once did. I used to love them so much. But my pride and my arrogance has gotten away. I'm turning from that. Um, forgive me, God. I, I have fallen so far. I used to be so in love with you. Everything was about you. Everything was about you. And, and now it's about doctrine. And now it's about, um, you know, popularity or, or whatever it might be. So I repent. I, I, I turn from you. This is what we're called to do. And then how do we know that we have truly remembered and repented, then it, we're getting busy, man. That's how we know. We're doing something different than we were doing. Um, we've returned to the works that we first did. We return to loving Christ first and foremost. We return to loving one another um, uh, passionately. And, and we return to um, having a love for the lost, having a love for the lost and reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how we know. And, and if not, then we will be removed. And again, uh, churches that are removed, the lampstand is removed, don't cease to use the name church. They continue to operate and function like they are the church, but the fruit is not there. And, um, and hey, they might even grow in size. I mean, once you're no longer the church, you don't have this pesky whole, Jesus died for your sins and you're a sinner kind of, message you could really just say whatever you want call yourself the church of christ and and pack the house man um but that won't have any that won't do you any good come the day of judgment when christ comes back you know john said right on the things that you have seen the things that are and things that are to come that ain't going to be any good for the things that are, that are to come um no no we want to be lamps and we want to be the actual church of jesus christ and so here is this call if we have found ourselves in in any area here that he has against us to do these things, to remember to repent, to return, because uh, we do not want to be removed. So he pleads with us to repent. Verse six, yeah, this you have, you hate, hate the works. That's important too. Hate the works 
of the Nicolitian, uh, the Nicolitians, which I also hate. Jesus also hates. So this is a, this is a, a wonderful verse. Um, he, again, is just, he's going to give them an attaboy for the, they're sniffing out false prophets. Um, first of all, first of all, who are, who are, what's the Nicolaitans? We don't know. There's lots of speculation. I've read and read and read and read and read and read and read read and read and only came up with speculation, not going to repeat speculation. Uh, you can do your own reading and land on one of the camps that are out there as to who this might be. Some ideas seem to work better than others, uh, but at the end of the day, it's speculation and it doesn't necessarily matter. We know that these are people that are false prophets, heretics, just what we were talking about. Um, they could be Judaizers, we, we don't really know, So, uh, but it doesn't matter. And, and to the Ephesians, they hate not the Nicolaitans, but the works of the Nicolaitans, which Jesus Christ also hates. See, Jesus Christ is love and God is love. Love wins and that's all well and good, but that isn't all there is to it because if you love what is good and true and right and holy, then you must equally with the same amount of passion hate. What is evil and unjust and wrong and bad and evil? How could you possibly love what is good but not hate what is evil? It's not possible. And so we are called to hate evil. We should hate evil, but we must be careful that we don't hate the people participating in the evil. Now, God will deal with that, right? Their evil doings will be tied up in their judgment. They will be connected to that and have to give an account to that. That is be way beyond my pay grade, way, way beyond my pay grade. It's not what I'm called to do. That's what God's going to do. And he's going to do that righteously and perfectly, and it'll be good, okay? That's not what I'm called to do. What I'm called to do is to hate the evil. So to put this in an example, abortion. You should absolutely hate abortion. You should not, however, hate people who have had an abortion. Gay marriage. We should hate gay marriage. We should hate gay marriage. We should not hate people who are gay. And I even said gay. Listen, people aren't gay. They're not. They're, people aren't straight. I mean, you either. You these are people who act out homosexually. This helps me to not hate the person. It is what they're doing, that is evil. Uh, um, that that I need to hate. It isn't them, their person. So sticking with the abortion, um, I should hate the the clinic and fight against the clinic and 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 laws and and all of that stuff while loving the woman who has an abortion, who's gotten an abortion, loving the woman as she's walking into the building to get the abortion, the abortion. And again, this is a, this is something that takes prayer and God reliance and discernment. Um, but, but rest assured, 
Jesus Christ, there's things that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ hates. He hates sin. He hates it. I mean, this is, this is, this is selling it short. There's other parts in the Bible where it says he abhors. God abhors. And, and again, the person who's getting an abortion or who has gotten an abortion, their, their action is going to be tied to them in judgment. But, it, but that's not for you and I to do right here and right now. We are to place that into the hands of an almighty God and love who we're called to love and serve who we're called to serve. So verse seven says, he who has, has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So is this all this verses one through six only for the church of Ephesians? No, it is for anybody who has a hear, has an ear. Because if you have an ear, and hear what the Spirit has said to these seven churches. This is just as much for you and for me and for the churches that we're a part of as it was for the Ephesians, okay? Um, and this is a call, again, this is Jesus stressing the importance of what it is he has just said. We need to pray for ears that they might hear. And this ear that hears, how do we know that we have an ear that hears? Well, we, res we respond. We respond. We, there's, it, it plays out in action, in works. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Man, so, you know, if we repent, then we will, uh, we will be in paradise with God for sure. Now, if we don't repent and our lampstands are removed, it is probably a testimony that we never belonged to him to begin with. The people who hear this are being convicted by it. They're going to remember, repent, and return are people that are Jesus Christ's. Because people who are Jesus Christ's don't argue when Jesus says, this offends me. This is hurtful to me. This, this grieves me. This I have against you. If I hear Jesus Christ say to me in any action or thought I have, I have this against you, I'm broken. I don't want to be offensive to Jesus Christ. I don't. And I am going to do whatever it is he commands me to do to get back into the um, right posture with him. So we need to watch our doctrine. We need to watch our lives as well um we need to love sinners uh but hate the evil in which they do um you know i think we need to love we need to hate the sin and not the sinner i don't know people say that god hates the sin not the sinner i don't i don't know that i subscribe to that i think the i don't know that the bible teaches that um you know i don't want to get into that now but but certainly for me for me, because I'm not the judge, um, then, then it is safe for me to say, I need to love the sinner and hate the sin and let God do what God does. He is calling me to do something uh, a little bit different than what he is capable of doing. So I hope this was a blessing to you. I shot this actually twice. The first time it just went long. So I hope this didn't seem rushed. I just don't want to make it too long. 
I hope that it was a, a blessing to you um, and made sense. Um, and and I hope I really hope it challenged you. I, I hope that you, you sat there and got some convictions and and have some work to do. I know I certainly did. As I studied through this, there was some uh, remembering and some repenting, and there has been some returning uh, since then. So I, I'm very grateful to this letter. I'm very grateful to you. I'm very grateful to the opportunity to be able to sit here and, and to walk through this. And I, I hope it's a blessing. I'm praying for you. I love you dearly. Uh, be well.